Hello, ladies and gents, and all of you intrepid seekers of knowledge. My name is George Benelli, the founder of SailTime, and welcome to the Experience Sharing Podcast. This is episode number two, and as I mentioned previously in episode number one, I wanted to spend a little bit of time sharing with our audience the humble origins of SailTime. So with that in mind, um, you know, utilizing that as kind of a basis to express where, you know, where I came from, some of the experiences that, you know, I've had and, you know, some of the folks that I worked with and just kind of building some of that basis that would help to share with our listeners that, uh, you know, I've seen a couple of things with regards to the sharing economy and where we started with sale time and gives me the uh, space to indicate as an early innovator in the sharing economy when literally not much else was being shared. There might have been some smaller businesses and one-offs here and there, but largely the idea of sharing cars and sharing clothes and sharing, you know, other large assets was early. Um, it was, uh, you know, 2001 at the time. And without getting into a lot of detail from the, you know, I guess the conception or the idea generation, the flashpoint, if you will, it really simply centered around the notion that myself and some friends, we really enjoyed sailing and I was new to it. I actually had never gone sailing before in my life. And I had a couple of friends that were capable and able to captain sailboats and whatnot. And so we started going on these trips to places like Corsica, uh, St. Lucia. Um, in this particular instance, it was Greece. Uh, we went to Greece and we sailed on whether it be moorings or sun sail. Those are the largest kind of global charter companies that exist out there and uh, we would rent their boats or charter their boats and it's called a bare boat charter you know there's a captain charter where you actually hire someone this you know a person that you pay money to and they come on board and they actually take care of all of the activities you know with regards to sailing the vessel and you and your friends just hang out and you know have a good time and so on and so forth. But then, of course, you've got this person that's on your boat, and usually they're lots of fun and whatnot, but they're still someone you've never met before, and so there's potential risk there. But uh, in this case, we had friends who were actually capable sailors and were able to captain the boat for us, and we could become part of the crew, uh, and we'd learn and, and things like that. So in that we would do these trips, and, and in this particular case, we actually had four separate boats, four captains, four friends that were capable sailors, and each boat had about eight people on it. And um, we took these boats from Kos, which is K-O-S. It's one of the Dodecanese islands in Greece, and it was a fantastic experience. We had sailed for a week and, and <clears throat> spent, you know, we'd basically you get up, you chart your course for the day, head out from one island to another, and just have a great time. So, you know, had this lovely sailing vacation. And then we came back to Austin, which is where sail time was originated, which is where I live. And so we, it's a, you know, it's a, these trips were usually in the late winter, spring time frame. So it might've been March or April of this particular year, 2001. And we got back and it was a beautiful day, sunny, breezy. 
Um, and at the time, a friend had a boat, and it was a stinky boat on Lake Travis, which is one of the chain of lakes in central Texas that's part of the Colorado River. And we decided one afternoon to just go out and get on the boat and go sail for a couple hours because it was just too beautiful out to not do something like that. And we did, and we got out there, and we noticed that it was like a Wednesday or Thursday afternoon, and there was no one else out on the water, not one other boat on this beautiful day. Sunshine, breezy, great temperatures, and we're the only boat out there. So the thought came across our minds, like, look at all these boats that are sitting in their slips, and those boats all have slip payments, they all have insurance, they all have, you know, potentially mortgage payments or notes that they owe on the original purchase price of the boat, and they weren't getting used. And so it made us think about how getting access to a boat was, you know, potentially there there might have been a way to disrupt that model or the, the way to access that boat, because if the boats are sitting there floating around bobbing like corks in their slips in the marinas, then possibly there was time that somebody else could be using the boat. So how could we share that? So that was the kind of the original question that we started to play around with. And we started to go and whiteboard it and, and ask questions around how we do that. What are the logistics? And we came up with the idea of building a scheduler online. And again, we're talking 2001 here where, you know, access to online tools and stuff was very, very early. Certainly mobile was not really a thing. I mean, we had, there was like a Palm Pilot um, or Dell Axiom, Axioms or whatever, whatever those uh, Wi-Fi only devices were. So it certainly made, made it challenging, but we were able to develop and uh, write some uh, code around how we'd want to share and, and do the calendar rules. And we came up with these all these different ways of sharing that time with, you know, disparate parties. So we figured, okay, well, we can potentially share a boat amongst, you know, I don't know, six, eight, ten people. And um, and we arrived at the number of eight because the number of eight people broke the calendar up in such a way that you could uh, gain access to a, an, a, you know, a, a sizable amount of time that felt good from an offer perspective and um, you could actually use. So so that was, you know, we came up with that initial concept and, you know, found a friend who could do some coding and we kind of started and we just said, well, let's just play around with this idea. And then we're like, okay, well, is there a market for this? And we decided, you know, as any not very well-funded startup might do is to test that idea in the marketplace. And we put ads in the paper and started to see if we could pre-sell some memberships and, Lo and behold, inside of two months, we had eight members that were ready to write a check and, uh, you know, get on board our boat. And so we had now a decision point to make. Do we buy a boat? So we went back and forth on that and we said, sure, let's give this a shot. What's our worst case? Our worst case is, is that we now have a boat and we've got people to share it and help pay for the cost of that boat, take care of the maintenance insurance and all those things. So we did, we ordered a boat. <clears throat> now, this is about, I'm guessing, July or August of 2001. Now, if you recall, I mean, those boats take about three to four months after you place an order for that boat to be delivered. Um, the one we wanted wasn't in stock, so we had to wait for the delivery. So 
in September of 2001, there was a relatively large major world event that occurred, if you recall. And so our boat ends up being delivered effectively a month after 9-11 occurred, which certainly was cause for concern for us. So we didn't know what to expect. And it turns out that, you know, people's mindsets towards spending time with family, spending time with friends changed for the better in terms of people wanted to um, spend more time. So, you know, what we were doing was kind of a welcome distraction, if you will, to what was going on at the time with the you know economic recovery and, you know, all the travel related issues and so on and so forth. And so clearly we only had one boat, so it wasn't a, a big drop in the bucket, but still we, we were able to at least get an understanding of where people's head spaces were at the time. So we pull the trigger, boat delivers, we fill it up with members and we decide, well, why don't we do that again? So we pull the trigger on boat number two. And that boat, again, within two months or so, and we were doing this with literally an ad in the newspaper. So the local Austin State Statesman, we'd put an ad in the paper and let that uh, ad run. And then we'd field those phone calls and, you know, do our pitch and we were refining our pitch and so on and so forth. And two months later, we had two full boats of paying members. And these members had no ownership of the boat. They were only paying for the time and access they had to it. We had our process that we would, you know, utilize where people could check on the boat and and go through the process of of doing a checklist and make sure everything was safe and all those kind of things. And we just kept going through that process and kept refining it and whatnot. And so at that point we had, we had to decide, you know, what we were going to do. We're going to, you know, add a third boat. What else, what were our options? What were the inflection points? So at this point in the process, we decided to move forward with expanding our footprint. So we thought, well, if we can do this with a couple of boats here as easily as we were able to, we suspect that there is a a need and a market for this offering. And again, we're talking October, fall of 2001. So we, um, you know, ran the base in Austin for a couple of months and, you know, took us into the new year. So we're in 2002 and, and we decided that we would place an ad in a sailing magazine, like I think it might've might been sail magazine or something like that. And we put an ad in the paper, um, looking for someone who might be interested in running a base, um, licensing the, the model and the brand and, and everything else from us in, in other markets. And so we put that ad in the magazine and we literally went off and did another sailing trip. So for two weeks we were gone. We went to, <clears throat> I think at this point we went to Croatia and sailed from Dubrovnik and Split and stuff like that. And it turns out that literally, I think on the day that we left, I mean, when we were gone, we didn't, you know, we weren't checking email. We weren't, you know, we were gone. So on the day we left, actually somebody who um, was interested in doing this and opening up a location in Houston reached out to us and they expressed an interest in wanting to buy a location and, and open up a location and, and leverage the um, the model in in the Houston area. And so the funny thing about this little bit of the story is that because we didn't respond to this person, you know, for two weeks, they, they thought we were either out of business or weren't interested or whatever. So when we got back, we saw the note and we you know, reached back out and made contact and the person expressed to us that this was the type of business they were looking for, for, for years and um, found it with us and wanted to open up. And so we sat down and 
and negotiated a license agreement with them and and you know started the process of building out our you know our operations how we would replicate the process that we were using at the first location in Austin. So now we had Austin and Houston. Yeah, it was an interesting interesting beginning uh, of the process. So we were, needless to say, we were pretty psyched about the fact that, hey, you know, we had this model that, that you know, people in Austin were really digging on. And then we had somebody who was really interested in, in replicating the model in another market. So that, of course, um, got us to a point where we asked ourselves some other questions. So the conversation at that point started to center around how far do we want to take this? It really started out as a lifestyle business. But at that point we had, you know, now we had, you know, multiple boats in Austin. We had now multiple bases, clearly, you know, only in Texas, but now we had someone, you know, in on the Texas coast, which has a huge, I mean, Kima, which is where it was located. It literally, I believe has more sailboats per capita than anywhere else in the U S the, the boating market in, in that part of Houston is huge. So we were excited to have kicked that off. And so at that point we started, okay, well, I think we were to the point where we decided to leave our other jobs and start working on this full time. And we started to push the, the idea and concept of, you know, growing the overall geographic footprint of our offering. And so we did. So we kept focusing on that and growing the Austin business, which we you know, added a third boat. <clears throat> and, and, and just a little side note, the, the boats in Austin were, at the time, The Matrix was a, was a favorite movie. And so boat number one was called Morpheus. Boat number two was called Neo. And boat number three was called Trinity. So that was an interesting little side note. So now we started to market to other locations and literally, you know, inside of about three years, we were able to grow to about 35 or so locations. And we started getting activity from the Northeast, from California, from the upper Midwest. So we had base locations picking up and starting up in Boston, in New York, in Baltimore, Maryland, Annapolis, San Diego, Channel Islands, California, San Francisco. We had all these folks contacting us. And, you know, we did our share of marketing and, you know, marketing is expensive, but, you know, we were doing guerrilla stuff. We were participating in boat shows regionally and in different markets, um, you know, at you know, small, of course, boat shows are expensive, but we would do, you know, 10 by 10 booths and, and things like that, that made sense from a spend perspective. So we had this, you know, growing footprint and growing traction. And so... In that, uh, that also then you know gave us a little bit of uh, cred, but we had this interesting—I don't say collision of worlds, but we'll say we had this traction on one side, and we had you know a very ingrained um, marine marketplace on the other, and so we were the new kids in town. Many of the existing longtime uh, marine dealers and whatnot um, saw. You know, as far as they were concerned, they saw many businesses like ours come across like flash in the pan. They would start up and then they would die after a year or two. So they they didn't um, necessarily think that we were, you know, something that was going to last. Clearly, here we are 20 years later and sale time still continues to grow slowly. Um, and, you know, we've never taken on any outside investment. And 
Um, we've continued to grow uh, organically. Um, we survived the 2008 and 2009 and 2010 uh, recession and, um, and continue to grow and maintain and build partnerships and whatnot in the, in the space. So, so yeah, so we uh, continue to grow. We actually brought on a partner from the UK and opened up locations across the UK. And we brought on a partner from uh, Australia and opened up locations in Australia. And so um, at one point we had uh, 50 locations worldwide, including Sydney and, and other areas around Sydney, Pittwater, places like that. Um, we had bases along the Solent and, and other parts of the southern coast of England and other locations throughout Europe and uh, Amsterdam and whatnot at, at, the, at the peak. You know, then things kind of uh, took a hit during that uh, recession. Uh, some bases closed, some areas, like parts of the UK closed down, and we kind of weathered that storm, if you will, and, um, you know, continued to grow from there from about 2012 on. Um, I stepped away from the business. I had partners um, that took over. So at the time I was uh, president and general manager and stepped away from that role, maintained an equity ownership position and left the business in the capable hands of several partners. So um, it's been, you know, a really interesting uh, journey, if you will, over the years. You know, sale time, you know, an interesting thing is like, in the last many years, the sharing model that we have we built. So we've had many, many competitors come into the space that put together a very, very similar model to ours, and and that's great. You know, so it was that further validated that the model we created was something that was workable, that people liked, worked for them, and so that's great. And so you know, anytime something is shows any form of or some any level of success it's going to have you know others in the market that are going to come in and try and work on that space now you know things like the you know airbnb and then airbnb of boating you know those kinds of uh businesses which is a different model but those have continued to pop up and direct peer-to-peer -peer marketplaces those have continued to pop up and those continue to have traction they get they get investment and whatnot and so those are interesting spaces to keep your eye on and keep our eye on to see how those businesses continue to grow, how insurance marketplaces continue to support them and finance marketplaces continue to support them. So that's uh, an interesting space as well. So at this point, you know, we have, we've come out of the recession. Um, I've handed over the reins to partners and the business continued to grow organically and slowly. We've, we took a very conservative approach from a finance perspective and a growth perspective and shifted some partnerships. I mean, we had originally partnered with with Hunter Marine Corporation as our boat partnership. Um, and we had, in the last couple of years, moved that to uh, to working with Beneteau and the Beneteau Group. And that's been a great relationship and a continuing to grow relationship. Now, Beneteau Group has a much broader uh, footprint than others. They, they're headquartered in France and they build boats. They're the biggest production boat manufacturer in the world. They have powerboat brands. They have large custom yacht brands. So Beneteau is definitely a, um, you know, would be a preferred boat partner in, in a space like this. So we're, you know, always been very excited to be able to work with the, the folks over at Beneteau. And we've continued to grow and build the business. And that brings us to today where, you know, we are, uh, you know, back to around 40 plus locations thousands of members, hundreds of boats, 
and uh, we continue to expose ourselves to new areas in the market. We can continue to work with and develop relationships with manufacturers, dealers. So the Beneteau dealer network is expansive. And so we continue to build relationships in that space and grow and work with dealers to pre present and provide you know, different models of how to bring new boaters into the marketplace uh, and you know, continue to share excitement about those kinds of avenues and you know, really excited about where things could go. Now, the sharing models um, have just taken off over the last couple of years. So it's, it's kind of like you know, the, we were early and in bringing this type of model to the marketplace. But, you know, the good news is, is that over the last several years, five years and plus, that the market and where sale time was going kind of met in the, met in the middle, if you will, and continued to expand and grow. So the marketplace acceptance of sharing and sharing assets like this has continued to grow and, and uh, strengthen, if you will. So we're glad to see that and glad to be part of that. And it's been, it's been a great journey. So... In kind of in summary, as you can see, you know, having started this business and been involved in it for many, many years before the sharing economy was actually even a term, we spent a lot of time and saw a lot of, a lot of challenges along the way, scraped our knees, scraped our elbows, picked ourselves up, worked through challenges, solved problems, and continued to have this business grow over time organically, which is important. So with all that said, this particular episode was about establishing context and context for me as bringing, you know, someone who can bring to you the sharing economy, what my background was, my experience with this particular business, and being able to shed some light on what the future holds for the sharing economy. So thanks again for your time in this particular episode and have a great rest of your day. And episode three is coming with an interview with the CEO of Sale Time. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>